sounds good. That's a good plan, isn't it? That's a good plan. This book is for anyone who sees themselves as an entrepreneur, knows somebody they love who is, or who owns a business or works for themselves and sometimes wonder why they do it and what it means to them. That's a direct quote about 25 minutes in from writer David Sachs when I asked him who his book is for. His book is The Soul of an Entrepreneur. I likened it to a magician. We'll speculate how a magician pulls off his trick. Uh, Secret pockets or uh, magnets, maybe a trapdoor, the old classic trapdoor in the stage. Yet we rarely ask why. Why does the magician feel compelled to do this? We focus on the how. We don't focus on the why. And that's kind of the same thing with entrepreneurs, isn't it? The description on the back of David Sachs' book says, This book is the real story of entrepreneurship. It confronts both success and failure and shows how they can change a human life. It captures the inherent freedom that entrepreneurship brings and why it matters. David Sachs' gift as a writer is the ability to identify and reveal the undercurrents flowing through our culture. The Soul of an Entrepreneur, Work and Life, Beyond the Startup Myth, is a follow-up to his excellent thought-provoking book, The Revenge of Analog, Real Things and Why They Matter. In that sense, he is a writer who operates like a magician, with a ta-da, though in this case, he isn't pulling a rabbit out of the hat, he's revealing the unrecognized hustle that fuels the engine of our economy. What if the narratives we've been sold about entrepreneurship are not accurate? On page 254, David writes, An entrepreneur is not determined by the size of their business, the industry, or any other economic factors, as some academics and experts agree. Right? So, what is an entrepreneur? Yo, welcome to My Summer Layer. I am Sam Yunin, and it is time to get down to business with David Sachs, author of The Soul of an Entrepreneur, Working Life Beyond the Startup Myth. Hello. Hello, David. This is Sammy. Hey, Sam. Uh, welcome back, David. Thanks, Sam. You launched a book during a pandemic. So what emotion are you feeling today? Uh, just exhaustion. Um, you know, launching a book, doing a virtual book tour of different, you know, five different events or three different events a week on Zoom. Mm -hmm. Still hustling to get press while you know, the media is far more occupied with other things, all while trying to keep two kids fed and entertained and somewhat educated. Um, <laughs> That's a challenge. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty tiring. And, you know, with no sense of like, whether any of this matters, because are people buying books? Are the bookstores able to sell them? Are they able to carry them? Um, mm -hmm. It's, uh, it's kind of like throwing it into a void, into a black hole. That uncertainty that you're talking about, like, are events like this, uh, the coronavirus and the pandemic and everything, are they teaching us about how to live with uncertainty? Like, the response to this virus hasn't been linear or smooth, as you just said. Uh, you cycle through a variety of emotions. Some people are doing well. Some people are not doing well. This is what business and entrepreneurship is like. Yeah, I, it's interesting. Like, you know, um, uh, you know as, as bad a time it is to release a book from all the different commercial reasons I talked about. Um, the topic of the book has become incredibly relevant 
as we've seen the impact on entrepreneurs all over the world. And I think what it's really shown is that, you know, this is, this is a moment when you really see the uncertainty that's inherent in, in life as an entrepreneur and the risk that comes with it, but also the freedom. Like everyone I know as an entrepreneur has gotten incredibly creative and been very proactive over the past month and a half mm-hmm. out of necessity. And I think that's the thing that always has defined entrepreneurs uh, is that you have the freedom to sort of go and take action and, and do what you can. And so I've done it, and friends of mine have done it, and my wife's done it um, uh, because you, you, first of all, can't sort of rest on the status quo. The status quo has been blown up. And two, I think, you know, as entrepreneurs and people who are self-employed, we, we always know we're on our own. Like we, we have no real hope that the government's going to save us. There's no backup coming like a police show or something. Yeah. The police show or Trudeau or whatever, like mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's, all these measures in here in Canada and the United States were announced. And it's like, it left out the majority of small businesses and entrepreneurs and individuals who work for themselves. And they just don't factor into people's concerns. And, and, you know, it's always up to us at the end of the day to save our own butts and come up with our own solutions. And that, I guess, has prepared us somewhat for this, although we're woefully underprepared in the sense that most of us don't have the money to continue indefinitely. And, and, um, and so it's, it's, a, it's exacerbated. I mean, this virus has exacerbated every tension and everything that was already going on in the world. And I think for entrepreneurs, it's no different. Yeah, one of the more fascinating conversations we're having, um, especially once we all got put under a basically house arrest, was there was this kind of ongoing debate about productivity. I think for the first time in a long time, people had to figure out what that actually means. Like, I know people are juggling with, like, trying to raise kids as you and, like, trying to feed them and do all those things. But people are also still expected to work full time, like for people who work for companies and stuff. And so suddenly they had to now figure out what does productivity even mean? Yeah, it's been really interesting. Um, and I think in the world of entrepreneurs, there's so much of that, you know, productivity hacking and and this sort of mythology around like how to get the most of your days and all these methods and courses and podcasts and just all based on this, which to me is kind of ridiculous, but that's a whole other thing. <laughs> and I think now it's it's just like, all right, like if you got kids, like maybe you get three hours a day when you can work. You know, most of my friends are working at night when the kids go down and they do, sh- we do shift work, right? It's like mm-hmm. I get them for the morning or an hour here or two hours there. And then I have a call and I have an interview with my wife. Like we're, we're balancing that. And it's like, we, you just get your thing done. You don't waste a lot of time fussing around on social media or doing other stuff. Um, you kind of bake it down to the essence, but also like you forgive yourself for the fact that you can't be super productive. It's, it's, it's impossible to do that. And it's not necessary in a time like this. You've got to get what you got to get done, but you don't have to, you're not, you're not looking to optimize your maximum efficiency, bro. Yeah. You're just trying to survive. Yeah. It's not a Mountain Dew commercial anymore. (laughs) No, it is not. So your book, the soul of an entrepreneur work and life beyond the startup myth. Well, first of all, it made me hungry because there's a lot of food, especially in the first couple of chapters. Uh, so congratulations on that, which I guess is a hallmark of an entrepreneur. Uh, made you hungry? Yeah. Oh, hunger. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Literal hunger. Yeah. We just kind of touched upon the idea of redefining or trying to understand the meaning of productivity. And your book basically focuses on trying to understand or what the definition of entrepreneur means. And it's not the classic traditional definition that we've kind of uh, surrounded ourselves with the last couple of years. 
What is that definition now? Well, I, I think over the past decade or so, we've really focused in and adopted Silicon Valley's mythology around what an entrepreneur is, what they look like and what they do. And that's, you know, a young, brilliant man who goes to the top university and drops out in order to start a highly disruptive company that grows incredibly fast, incredibly quick, remakes industries, you know, make billions of dollars and changes the world. And, and we bought into that story hook, line and sinker in the media and popular culture in universities and business schools. And, and, and it shifted our conception of an entrepreneur because anyone who doesn't fit into that, which is 99.9% .9 of the people who go out, start businesses, work for themselves in any field, in any place, um, we're dismissive of what they do as somewhat lesser than. And the reality is that all those people are entrepreneurs. Uh, anyone who works for themselves, in my opinion, is an entrepreneur because what links them and the brilliant tech genius is that they have the independence and freedom to do the work they want to do in the way they want to do it and they bear the risk of doing that and everything else is just differences and circumstances um uh and and timing and luck have we also standardized success and what success looks like like it's almost like we kind of roll it out like a like a Ford factory basically that's making Ford Fiestas. And so success looks almost very similar. There's a couple of differences here and there, a different color or something. But have we also standardized success? I, I think in that definition of it, it's true, right? You know, that, that when that term unicorn was coined, all of a sudden that was success. Anything that didn't get a valuation of a billion dollars was seen as lesser than, as a failure. Um, or someone else had recently, I was on another podcast and they were talking about someone who said, well, an entrepreneur is someone who, Who's, who builds a business that goes for an exit, that sells that business, and anything less than that isn't an entrepreneur. Well, that's <laughs> not true. I mean, there are yeah. tons of businesses that are incredibly, incredibly successful world leaders that are still held by their family. Fucking Walmart, for God's sake, right? Yes. Like, um, uh, so, so, you know, again, that standardization of success falls within a very narrow trope, which is really dovetails with what, you know, a venture capital fund needs in order to make a particular return. Um, but that should define what the greater meaning of entrepreneurship is. When you mention like venture capitalism, so are we talking about like definitions or then validations? Because you talk about in the book how VC money is kind of validation, uh, especially for the Silicon Valley type entrepreneurs. But if you open a coffee shop, it becomes part of the hood, part of the neighborhood, you form a community. It's a different type of validation, one that you can't exactly quantify. So where does validation kind of factor in, in terms of like, once you've got this idea, whether it's to open up uh, a dry cleaning store or a coffee shop or start up the next biggest app ever? Well, I think that's one of the, the most uh, dangerous and pervasive myths of the sort of Silicon Valley model. Um, and that's something that you see with shows like Dragon's Den and Shark Tank, right? Mm -hmm. Is that the valuation, the amount someone with a lot of money will invest in you is really the marker of success up to the point until you sell the company to someone else and, and, and make all your sort of money. But validation in reality, in the real world, is entirely different for each entrepreneur and for each of them it, it's it's meaning is derived from the thing that sort of brings them into it in their first place for some people validation is just the ability to like create 
their product or service and have someone else buy it and 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 find it valuable for other people it's it's the fact that they can actually relate to their community um, and sort of deepen the relationship to that community and provide them something of value for other people you know validation is the validation of their peers or or others so um, you know when you when it comes from that purely numerical perspective or just sort of chasing the latest round of, of funding or a number someone's going to put on you that's an external validation but what matters more for you know entrepreneurs is 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 that personal validation i mean i'll take myself as an example right i'm a writer i write books you know if if the marker of validation is that my book hits the new york times bestseller list or has to hit you know number one on it like that would be incredible i would be you know, over the moon, mm -hmm. but odds are that's not going to happen. And if that's the reason why I'm writing books, I'm in the wrong business because not only the odds are not going to happen, but like, that's not a reason to write a book. You, you don't start a company. So you get a validation from an investor. You do it for the reasons that it matters to you. You do it because there's a product or a service that you really want to do that, that fits in with your ideas and your beliefs and your skills and your talents, and your experience that you want to put in the world and you take the risk to do that. It will feel good if someone validates that with support, whether it's financial or otherwise, but that isn't the only form of validation. So then is Heidi Klum's boobies a good reason then to write a book? <laughs> Could you explain that a little bit more, Sammy? Yeah, because uh, you start off in the introduction, and this was, I guess, what sparked you on this road, was you were in the airport, and uh, you saw, uh, I guess it was a magazine cover. Maxim. Maxim. Yeah. And uh, you saw, and it was this uh, cover of Heidi Klum, and it basically said across her chest, uh, entrepreneurship, and it was this idea that she was being framed as an entrepreneur, and it was kind of like this validation of the idea that you're just talking about, which is that uh, we've now branded entrepreneurship as cool, and once you define anything as cool, there's automatic barriers to it. It's like you yeah. have to go through these hoops. You know what I mean? Like you can't just be a fan of Backstreet Boys or Sync. You have to buy tickets, which are costly. You have to buy T-shirts, which are costly. You have to buy CDs and stuff. Like there's barriers to being cool. Is that kind of did I do a good job? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's it, it was a sign, right? Of of you know something was I knew something was going on with entrepreneurship, and I was already poking around it. And then I saw this magazine cover, and you know there's Heidi Klum and. Or it's you know she's posing topless, beautiful as always, um, <laughs> and just kind of like covering you know the 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 nipples essentially, or just really written in bright red script over her breasts is you know Heidi Klum, intimidable entrepreneur, and and it, it just showed how far our culture had come to, you know the rom the 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 like romanticization and sexification of entrepreneurship in this particular mold uh again of that thing that like seems increasingly inaccessible to the majority of us right like Heidi Klum is an entrepreneur she started a lingerie company a baby clothes company but she's also you know Heidi fucking Klum she's like a <laughs> worldwide celebrity um tv star you know a og supermodel um, gorgeous, brilliant, super wealthy individual. Mm -hmm. um, it's like when it's like, oh, Kylie Jenner is the youngest self-made billionaire. It's like, no, 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 no. Like Kylie Jenner didn't like pull herself up from the bootstraps to the streets um, to start some makeup company. She parlayed her reality TV success and family name into this thing. Doesn't mean she didn't work hard to do it or have a good idea. 
but you know again if we've if we only point to the sort of most romantic unbelievable examples of it uh then we're doing a disservice to the real entrepreneurs who are out there you know and, and really having a very different experience we're selling the wedding day is what you're talking about not the marriage where everyone kind of romanticizes mm. the the wedding day and how mm. beautiful it is and the bride and uh, and it's a yeah. party it's fun and it's good times and everybody's there that you love and all that kind of jazz but anybody who's been married for 10 15 20 or even 30 years will tell you that the wedding day kind of fades and then the marriage is the actual hard work and it's all the emotional and ups and downs and you have dry patches and like it's not always going to be fun it's but we sell the wedding day not the marriage that is beautifully said and I think a perfect metaphor for, for what I'm talking about here. Because the myth of the entrepreneur is that it is this game, right? With a beginning, middle, and end. Mm -hmm. You have an idea, you make up a pitch, you go to a demo day at an incubator, an accelerator, you get up on stage with a bunch of other bright young things for five minutes, you make your pitch to a bunch of rich investors, someone writes you a check, you build, 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 you grind it out, you sleep on the floor, you drink Soylent, wear Allbirds, <laughs> you build, 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 you get another check from another grand of investors from bigger, you build, 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 blah, 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 da, 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 da. You IPO, you sell to Google, or you go tits up and you fail and start again, right? Mm -hmm. That's that's the wedding day version. That's the, that's the hero's journey. Right. But the reality of entrepreneurship is like, it's a life. Uh, and a life that you sign up for pretty much till the end of your life. It's something that you do and commit yourself to, and it's all ups and downs. It's a constant roller coaster ride. Um, and every success brings with it the hope of a fresh failure, and every failure brings with it the hope of a fresh success. There's there's no end to it. It it doesn't have this finish line to this 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 heroic sort of. Um, uh, you know, conclusion, it's not a game. It's, it's a lifestyle that people choose and a way of sort of living with your mix of economic freedom and risk that you work for yourself. And, and in doing that, you, you go down a certain path and that path is always changing. Um, but it's, it's again, not about the end destination. It's about the journey. Towards the end of the book, uh, speaking of risk, like towards the end of the book, uh, you define risk in three categories, financial, emotional, and personal. You were writing about yourself, but financial risk makes a lot of sense to people in terms of business and entrepreneurship. You lose money, the company goes, as you say, tits up or whatever it may be. But can you flesh out emotional risk as well as personal risk, either for yourself or for the entrepreneurs that you're talking about? Well, yeah, that, that risk is, is the fact that your identity is tied up in your your life as an entrepreneur right mm -hmm. there was an interesting study that uh, a professor just sent me uh, out of germany who i've been speaking to for the book and um the paper just came out i think last week and it, and it basically showed that you know if you lose your job and we're looking at record unemployment around the world now so there's a lot of people losing their jobs um you know the, the toll on your personal health your psychological health is is, is very real and, and, you know, you see that with addiction and depression and suicide and all sorts of other factors. But they compared that to entrepreneurs losing their businesses, um, you know, losing their, their store or their restaurant or their factory or their, you know, consulting firm or whatever it is. Um, and they, they actually showed that it was 
the the effects on their health, the effects on their psychological and, and physical well-being were worse for the entrepreneurs um, because their identity was so tied up in it. If you lose a job, you know, especially for something like uh, a virus that you have no control over and no one could have sort of foreseen, you could you'll feel bad and it'll be terrible for you financially and personally, but you, know, you can't really blame yourself for that. There was very little you could have done if you worked at an airline and you've been laid off in the past um, couple of months. But if you lose a business, you know, the odds are you're going to say, well, I could have done something. What could I have done? I lost that business. I'm a failure. Uh, and that, that really, you know, weighs on people and that leads to exacerbating problems if they're not able to, to deal with that and not able to separate the fact that Yes, they are an entrepreneur and they had a business. Um, they worked for themselves and that didn't work out um, even in you know, normal times, um, but that doesn't make them less of a, a good individual. Uh, and it's hard, it's very hard for people to do that. So that's, that's the risk, that's the risk that you bear. It's not just in your pocketbook, it's, it's in your soul. Yeah, Oliver Sacks writes about that. Um, he was the famous doctor in uh, Awakening. The other Sacks, yes. Yes, the other Sacks. <laughs> um, where he said that, like, when people, like, for example, break their leg, they don't say, I'm a broken leg. They say, my leg is broken. It's not like your leg's right. fault that it was weak or whatever it may be. You know what I mean? You just may have landed wrong or something. Yeah, or, like, I'm a cancer. Nobody says I'm a cancer. Like, I have cancer, right? So... There's a difference in like how we frame things in terms of our identity. And you just finished up your answer by talking about by our identity. Is that why the title of the book as well is like soul of an entrepreneur? Because soul is a lot deeper too than just identity or are you wrapping them together? I mean, I think I'm wrapping them together. You know, the, the book is, is called the soul of an entrepreneur because pretty much every other book about entrepreneurs is how to be an entrepreneur how to start a business, how to grow a business, what are the methods to do it? How do you get big? How do you get fast? Here's my story of me, really rich person who built this company. And I'm going to tell you how I did it so you can do it too. And I wanted to write something that, that got at the why. Why do entrepreneurs do what they do? What makes them different? Um, and what does that look like across a range of different circumstances and people? And so it is very much sort of a, a look at the soul. And that's all could be exciting and, and romantic at times and liberating. And it can also be incredibly tortured. Yeah, it reminded me of uh, magicians. Uh, so that's an odd segue, I guess. But Like a rabbit out of a hat, Sammy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'll explain, yeah. But because with magicians, people kind of focus on the trick itself. They, on how the, they're trying to figure out how the magician cut the lady in half or he put the right. coin under his sleeve or something like that. They're focused on the how they did it. They used magnets or they have a secret pocket in their jacket, whatever. And when people talk to magicians, they want to know how they did it, how they succeeded, how they made the lady disappear or whatever it may be. Nobody ever asked a magician, why do you do what you do? Yeah, which is really interesting. because There we go. See, I brought it around, didn't I? You did. That yeah. You really, that... You, that rabbit has really got pulled out of that hat. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and that to me was the interesting thing. You know, I've, I've written about entrepreneurs pretty much in all my books and, and all the interviews I've done over the years, the articles I've written, I've always focused on them. And I've just always been so interested in, in, in that question. Why do you do this? Because I, again, the mythology is like, oh, you'll make so much money. Like 
no one I ever talked to said, I, I'm doing this to make a lot of money. Like, mm -hmm. yes, there's an opportunity here and I want to pursue it. But every entrepreneur is driven by something. And there's a reason why people take that risk and do it. And it, it goes so much deeper than, you know, financial opportunities really is a part of who someone is. And I think that that speaks to something far deeper than just business or economics. How much of this is connected to our fading middle class as well? Because if you're starting a band, you can't like, like you said, you can't hope that your band makes 50,000 or 70,000 a year. And then you have this nice middle class existence. Like you kind of either hit it big or you are always hustling. So there doesn't seem to be always a lot of middle ground, or I guess, is that what you're suggesting that there is middle ground? Um, and it's, you're able then as an entrepreneur to eke out this middle-class existence? Well, I, I think um, it's a really good question because we're, we're seeing this now, right? There has been reflective of the sort of widening inequality in society between rich and poor, between have and have not, an inequality in entrepreneurship, between those who receive funding and attention and make it on the cover of magazines, who tend to be you know, wealthy uh, technology businesses, startups, uh, they tend to be white, they tend to be younger, they tend to be based in a handful of cities. And the rest of entrepreneurs who may actually be the greater number of entrepreneurs that are starting businesses, that are growing businesses, that own businesses, who are receiving a smaller share of the business, uh, whose growth is slowing, uh, who receive uh, a very decreasing percentage of uh, funding from banks or loan institutions or investment funds. You know, every industry is being consolidated and you're seeing a greater and greater concentration of power and a greater concentration of wealth. And yet the entrepreneurs that we're venerating are those that are starting companies that, whose aim is monopolization, right? The, mm -hmm. They're starting a technology company that's going to be, you know, the, the, the one that completely upends uh, shoes or food delivery, and, and they're going to put all these other businesses out of business. Amazon. It, yeah, the next Amazon, the next, you know, uh, um, Google, whatever. And that's the, that's the model that, you know, the venture capital firm needs in order to make its return in order to pay back its investors and its fund. But when you see declining opportunity for all the other entrepreneurs out there, women, people of color, people in rural communities, um, uh, indigenous communities, older people, people in, 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 in areas that don't receive that attention and that money, um, what you're doing is really seeing, you know, a rising of that inequality. And, and again, like if someone who comes from the middle class or is an immigrant that comes with nothing suddenly doesn't see entrepreneurship as viable if it seems out of their reach because it's too rarefied you need a, a stanford degree to sort of get into it it's only for the breast and brightest then you've really taken away like the spark of you know the society right the the american dream that the hope of capitalism that anyone with you know any idea or anything can go out take the risk and do it on their own and that I think is is the bigger, greater sort of uh, socioeconomic political thing that I that I that I've become concerned about, and especially you're seeing it now, right? Like the the you know ninety percent of businesses that are owned by minorities in America are are the ones that are cut off of funding from these emergency loans. While big corporations, the LA Lakers are getting loans, you know, Fruits mm -hmm. Chris is getting loans. You see the same thing in Canada too here. 
Um, and so, you know, we are going to need coming out of this many, many more entrepreneurs. We need people to go and start new businesses to replace the ones that have, that have been lost, to replace the jobs that have been lost and will not return in the next coming years. And if people see entrepreneurship as inaccessible, as closed to them because they don't have a computer science degree or they don't believe that they want to build something that's going to get a 10x return, it's going to go for an exit, and you've you've snuffed out the heart of um, uh, our our economic system and and the hope that lay in entrepreneurship at the at at the core of that. Is that who this book is for? The people who you feel are going to fulfill the hope of capitalism? <laughs> um, well, I certainly didn't put that in the marketing title. <laughs> um, that's a little too Ayn Randian. Yeah, this book is for anyone who who, you know, <laughs> sees themselves as an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. knows someone they love who is, uh, who owns a business or works for themselves and, and sometimes wonders why they do it and what it means to them. And so I think, yeah, you know, listen, I didn't write it thinking about this crisis. Nobody saw this thing coming, you know, four months ago. Mm-hmm. But um, the reality is that we are going to probably see a growth in the number of people who start working for themselves and become entrepreneurs, sheerly out of necessity. And yeah, those people can go read The Lean Startup and 10 other books about how to build a business. And they should, they should learn how to, you know, structure a business and, and, and set it up for success. But I hope that they also take a look at this to identify what entrepreneurship is going to mean to them and and how that can differ and how that's okay. How there are many different types of entrepreneurs and there's no one right way to do it. Um, but uh, it will be meaningful if they take the time to think about what that meaning is. Chapter three uh, has a story about you and a surfer uh, in Rockaway Beach, uh, just at the edge of uh, Queens in New York City. And I was wondering about like you in terms of surfing and paddleboarding, because do those type of activities prepare you or equip you to become a better entrepreneur? Because you're constantly failing in public and you have to get up or if the timing is not right and then you don't get on the board or you fall off the board, you're falling in the water a lot, but you're doing it in public. It's not like it's a private activity where like if you write a chapter and it's terrible, nobody has to see that chapter. <laughs> Unless it comes out in the book. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> You might you might show it to the uh, wife or something, and she'll give you some honest feedback, a little too much honest feedback. But yes, um, like so, does does activities like that, like surfing and stuff, help you to kind of clarify and how you view failure? Not me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like for me, surfing is a constant process of failure. Um, but I think for a lot of people, you know, I, th- I think what's important is that entrepreneurs need outlets outside of the the business that they're doing. There is a big part of that mythology of, of the sort of startup myth is like, you got to bleed for it, bro. You know, if you're not sleeping in your office, you're a loser. You got to take soil you got to take pills. You need caffeine things like work, 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 grind, 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 hustle, hustle, hustle. You'll sleep when you're dead. It's like, <laughs> it's not a game and it never ends, right? Mm-hmm. You need a complete life because that complete life, whether it's uh, sports or whether it's um, reading things or, you know, I know you're into like comics and stuff. Yeah. Um, those passions will not only give you an outlet uh, for your sanity and your physical health um, away from this thing that you can often get lost in and obsess in, but uh, they'll also help inform it, right? They will 
they will provide the background and guide you through that. They'll give you a reference point, um, either metaphorically of as you're struggling through something and you're comparing it to, you know, trying to learn to surf or trying to learn to, to ski or, you know, hockey or whatever. Um, but they'll also give you, you know, uh, ways to relate to other people. You can bond over someone, Sammy, with uh, your love of comic books or mm-hmm. uh, of horror movies or whatever. Um, you can, you can, you know, see opportunities because you're into something and you're like, oh, maybe the next podcast I'm going to do is going to be about, you know, this passion I have in my life or whatever. Um, uh, I think, you know, entrepreneurs need a well-rounded life and, and the happiest ones I meet have that. Yeah, I want to close with the the other coin. You said risk was one uh, side, and the other side was freedom. And it's interesting because you make a living off your curiosity, right? Like, like nobody's came to you and said it's time to write a book about the revenge of the analog or like Jewish delicatessens. Like these are things that you were curious about, and even this book, the soul of an entrepreneur, you were curious about, and you started to follow down like the this thread, uh, and you kind of just go on this wild chase trying to track down all these different ideas and things like that like i think one of the things too is we don't emphasize um this idea of freedom i know because because it can be a little scary for people and i think this is to go full circle how we started talking about productivity i think now where people are all of a sudden they've lost all those cues of going to the office and like having a a boss just uh, office down the hall and things like that they're kind of stumbling with freedom and they don't quite know how to deal with freedom but as somebody like yourself who's been a writer for a number of years like are you much more comfortable with freedom or like are you have any tips on how to like make it so it's not so scary or daunting um yeah that's that's a that's a good question i I think look (laughs) and you had the and you had the freedom to ask it then yes um I, i like to tell people that here's you know here's the truth right like if you're an entrepreneur, you are only guaranteed two things. One is freedom, and the other is the risk that comes with that. That's the cost of the freedom. If you don't exercise that freedom as the core of what you do, uh, and that's a creative freedom, it's an intellectual freedom, it's a freedom to wear what you want to work and decide how you want to work and what that looks like and who you work with and so on, then what is the point of it, right? Because that payout at the end of, of, of the day, the gold at the end of the rainbow, odds are it's not going to be there or it's not going to be there in the way that you think it is. Right. I, you know, don't write books uh, hoping that I'm going to end up on the New York times bestseller list. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be nice if I did one day, probably not going to happen with this book, given the circumstances of when it came out, but um, you know, that's not why I write it. I write it because I have the freedom to pursue an idea, however dumb it may seem to me, and I, I can do that. If I can sell the book to a publisher, then I have the freedom to sort of go and do that. Um, regardless of what you're doing, whether you're opening a bakery or a manufacturing plant or a consulting business, or you're going off on your own as an accountant, or you know, you 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 you're starting something small or something big, you have that freedom to determine what that thing is and how you're sort of gonna do it. And I think that's that's that first reward of entrepreneurship, but the one that people often lose sight of. Uh, and they have to remember that that you know that's a big part of their success. Are they exercising that? Are they are they actually indulging in it? Yeah. So your book is the soul of an entrepreneur, work and life beyond the startup. Where can people find you online to talk about business and entrepreneurship and the freedom of not wearing pants while doing business? I think we're all realizing that freedom. Yes. Uh, as a, <laughs> a 
and uh, it'll be really hard to go back after this, especially with summer coming. Yeah. Um, uh, you can find me uh, <laughs> on Twitter. I'm Sax David, S A X D A V I D. And uh, you can certainly buy the book uh, wherever books are sold. Uh, but I would recommend contacting your local bookstore because they're owned by an entrepreneur, uh, someone who took a tremendous risk and did it because they had the freedom to and, and, and loved books. No, no one opens a bookstore in this day and age because they're like, whoo, I'm gonna make so much money selling books. Um, and those places are beacons of our community and they need your support right now. And I don't make any more money or less money wherever you buy the book. So you might as well support someone good. This is a tangent. Sorry, I know you gotta go, but um... I did an interview earlier this week. Uh, there's a documentary called Booksellers. And uh, I was talking to the director, and he was saying how there's a bit of a resurgence with um, independent bookstores now. I think this yes. once, once this crisis hit, people were starting to recognize what was important to them, especially within their neighborhoods and within their communities. And if these places go under, because they don't have a lot of like operating capital, obviously, so their margins are very thin. So if they go under then your community kind of suffers and your city suffers and so on and so on. So there's been a resurgence where people are like, oh yeah, I like reading books. I like independent bookstores. I'm going to go support the ones I have in my hood. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of bright spots that will hopefully come out of this. And I, I hope a big part is valuing those entrepreneurs and small businesses who haven't been, who don't make the covers of magazines, who aren't the celebrity ones or the super wealthy ones, but the the people who own the businesses all around us, your neighbors, your friends, your family, um, uh, who make up the fabric of our communities. Thank you, David. I think we covered quite a bit. We covered uh, magicians, the rabbit in the hat. We covered Heidi Klum. We covered uh, productivity, entrepreneurship, and the hope of capitalism. That's quite a bit, isn't it? Beautiful. Uh, Sammy, it's always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Oh, thanks. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, we'll have to, I guess we can't high five or anything anymore now, right? That's uh, done. I'll just slap. I'm going to do a clap. We'll do a clap on three. Ready? <laughs> One, two, three. There Great you go. Five. Oh, we missed it a bit. Yeah, that's fine. I can edit it or try and fix it up or whatever. Thank you, David. <laughs> um, the book is oh, great. Thanks, it's man. a fantastic follow-up to Revenge of Analog because, again, you're just fo- tracking down really cool stories that are of people pushing back against the culture. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, the way that we yeah. set it up. And it's just... Pendulum swings. Yeah. Right? So it's yeah. a good companion piece. I know, like, we've kind of now gone literally full circle with vinyl, where now it's really popular and really chic. But for a while there, it was a kind of indie and on the fringe. And now it's like... And so I'm hoping the same thing happens with entrepreneurship, where, like you said, people kind of go full circle and like, oh, yeah, let's, like, start a business. I hope so. Mm-hmm. I hope so, man. Yeah. Um, well, listen, yeah. always a pleasure. This mm-hmm. is great. It really is great. I hope you're doing good. And, yeah. Um, Hang in there. I know you got kids too, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I gotta go. I think they're outside. Yeah, I know. Go feed them or clothe them or something. Whatever you do with kids, I'm, <laughs> I'm single dude, so I don't, I don't know. It's like, as long as they're not crying, I'm like, that's good. I'm good with like kids like that. It is. So. It is. Um, Thank you, all David. Right, brother. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. As we alluded to in this conversation, once the pandemic hit, we all kind of stopped wearing pants. <laughs> There hasn't been many silver linings, but what silver linings we've had have been good ones. That's the freedom of business, of entrepreneurship, of working for yourself. That's what David was talking about when he said that he has the ability to go down these paths and follow things that he's curious about, things that he wants to explore, things that he's thinking about. I I, I find that freedom so inspiring. In a sense, it takes no courage to use a sidewalk. That is the path that is laid out for everyone. You know exactly where the sidewalk is going. 
you know exactly where it's going to end, there are rarely surprises. Entrepreneurship really is in a strange way that that Robert Frost poem, the I took the uh, the untreaded path or however it ends. It's been a little while since I took English. But he took the road not taken. He took the road not taken. There it is. That can be daunting for people to have that kind of freedom. And it's interesting because now we're learning what productivity looks like when we all work from home and you've lost the cues. We're learning what that freedom is like. You have to wear pants to do business. I hope. And as we kind of wrapped up this conversation with David, I hope that people are starting to have dreams. That despite this climate of fear, this weather of worry, people would recognize that ultimately you only have today, the now. And now is as good time as any to get started, to build, to write, to create, to do your business. Entrepreneurship is frustrating and there are setbacks and things don't always go the way that we you want we used to have business plans remember those you just sent you put together a business plan and some expectations things like that and we had business plans because they were comforting too you could kind of plan for how your business would go but they never it never went like that you can open up a cupcake store and if you sell this many cupcakes you'll be a millionaire but it might be months before you even sell like one cupcake. That's how business goes sometimes. And yet, for all of its frustrations and setbacks and heartache, entrepreneurship is fulfilling and it's wonderful. And it's captivating. You'll meet some of the coolest people. Someone will be your customers. You'll have unique conversations. You'll go places that you didn't expect. You'll learn about yourself. You'll challenge yourself. You know when you travel, you don't, like you don't go all the way to like New York City or Paris or London or Spain or whatever pick a country or city you don't go all that way and then just kind of get up one day and say you know I'm feeling kind of tired today I'm just gonna like rest I'm gonna just like sleep in no you get up and you have plans and you you aggressively go into places and you're trying to meet people and trying to connect and you're hustling and you're trying to take in so much culture that is what entrepreneurship is like Sometimes here, because we live here day in, day out, you know, it's a little rainy, so it's like, yeah, I'll kind of sleep in. But there's an energy with entrepreneurship that we kind of don't talk about. It propels you, gets you out of your comfort zone. You don't actually know what you can accomplish until you start doing it. And that's the beauty of entrepreneurship. I found this book fascinating and inspiring at the same time because David is right. There's all these really cool businesses that we don't tend to focus on. Or that our media does not acknowledge. And it's a shame. I hope you find some comfort from this book as well. The book is Soul of an Entrepreneur. Work and Life Beyond the Startup Myth. My name is Sammy Yunan. If you are good at handling your business or have a really cool business, reach out to me. I am at my pal Sammy for Twitter, my pal Sammy for IG, and my pal Sammy for Facebook. I made your business really simple. Thank you so much, David, for this book. Thank you so much for hanging out. Do check out his other book too, The Revenge of Analog. Also fantastic. I think we all got a little bit of time to read now, so uh, it's worth getting into both of them. Thank you so, so much for listening to me in the Netflix world. Entrepreneurship, yo.